Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. Grizz Greats Episode 6 coming out today. You will hear from Blaine McElmurray. Also, setting a linebacker, Geno Leonard. And how about Montana State commit out of Billings? Neil Daly, all of them on the show today, not to mention, how about Tyler Hero? What in the world was that that we watched last night? The Miami Heat moving to with, within one game of entering the NBA Finals, uh, th- up now 3-1 over the Boston Celtics. That and plenty more here on Tutel and Nuwana. It's great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. Thanks for us letting us ride along with you on this very fine afternoon. Hope you are well. We have a ton to get to in the show today. First of all, Grizz Greats, the uh, silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions is out and uh, more are coming all the time, including today. You can get it anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, 
what is it? Transistor, Twitter, all of the, the, the Twitter? Maybe not Twitter. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I get a little turned around here. Coulter will help me out as soon as he gets in here. You know, he's off. Uh, you know, I think he's I think he's powdering his forehead, you know, so the sheen isn't so bad. Anyway, wherever you get your podcast, you can get Grizz Great's podcast. And Blaine McElmurray, the subject of this most recent episode, obviously outstanding uh, All-American safety for the Montana Grizzlies when spent time in the NFL as well and uh, is back in Missoula again but from Troy originally great story great conversation uh, to talk with Blaine McElmurray so we will have that for you as soon as the show is over it will be up and available for you to download we'll play a portion of that here right off the top also the Missouri Valley put out their spring football schedule does this put pressure on the big sky to do the same we'll get into that Gino Leonard linebacker out of uh, Sentinel High School. Sentinel got a bunch of great players right now who are all committed to go uh, to the next level to uh, the University of Montana and and other places as well. But uh, Gino, one of those, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with him as the Sentinel Spartans take on Glacier here uh, today. Hey, welcome back. Nice to see you. Hope everything went okay over there. Also, uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to get into Little, little broad conversation about the the pluses and minuses of sports in 2020 as compared to other times. Not in 2020 in relation to things like coronavirus or whatever, but just the the modern era of sports in relation to the non-modern era of sports and uh, what has gotten better, what has gotten worse, if anything. And then also Neil Daly, Neil Daly, Coulter. Where does Neil Daly play? Billings West. No, no, sorry. What what? Oh, where does he play on the field? End and tight end. I was like, man, you must not be paying attention. No, 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 no. Um, he plays defensive end and tight end. He is going to play defense in college at Montana State. This is interesting. The double A level is like haves and have nots right now. I don't know why. There's yeah. hardly any teams that are okay. Yeah, there's as early, four or five teams at the top, and then and early on in the season. Hmm. We've had a couple. Most of the matchups that the best teams have had have been against. We've had the senior Bozeman matchup to kick off the season on a Thursday. But other than that, teams have been playing other teams that really don't have a chance. And yeah. so some of these guys that are big time recruits, they're getting more reps on the side of the ball that they might not play in college. Hmm. In other words, Neil Daly's caught five touchdowns already. He's going to play defense in college, right? So he's putting up like these superstar numbers offensively, which is great, cool for him, but. It's just an interesting factor. Anyway, Neil Daly out of Billings West, who is a a, a D one defensive guy, but is a huge offensive weapon for Billings West. He, he's a, he's an edge guy in college. He's, That's he, where he's, he's a six three, two hundred fifteen pounder. That's where he's going to be. He'll and, play on the edge, like is often the case. He's an everything guy in high school. That's the way. Sure. That's the way it goes. So he will he will join us as well. So plenty to get to there. And yes, Thursday night football. I mean, if you think I'm going to let the Dolphins Jags go by the wayside without giving my thoughts on that beautiful matchup of titans in the nfl you got another thing coming i mean come on give me the all the aqua green that you got the jags would be the second best team in the nfc north (laughs) for real (laughs) they're way better than the other three teams that don't wear your ugly colors whatever Uh, the hell the packers wear you just carry the show now that you said that just go ahead uh, he's going back. Yeah. So Ryan rears a hat all day when he actually has to be around the public. And then he combs his hair and puts whatever <laughs> yeah. chemicals on his head. But since you did mention the fact that my Packers are great, and they are great, I might as well put the hat back on, represent for the people. I don't know if uh, my green and yellow goes great with my pastel blue and sort of red uh, theme that I got here, but 
you know what? Everything goes great with the Green Bay Packers. That's what I know for sure. <laughs> Grizz colors, Packers colors. Two hardest colors to match with. They 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 are. Dude, when 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 the uh, breast cancer awareness game comes around, whether it's the college or pros, yeah. there's some teams that where pink the, looks the, sweet. The pink looks so good. I mean, yeah. it is hot with some uniforms out there. Yeah. And there are some that it is just egregious. The Washington football team with the pink, it just it should be banned for life. The Montana Grizzlies, the the the, the maroon and the pink, mm-mm. It is no. not a good combo. No. Not a good combo. They, no. What they need to do, and I think they've actually done this, is when they go with like the charcoal or the steel gray uniforms that the Grizz wear, yeah. that looks really good. Have you seen the new Grizz unis? I have. What do you think? I like them. Uh, I am into going back to like the one stripe deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I like them. I, I've seen the video. When I say I've seen them, I've seen the video, okay? I haven't actually right. seen the uniform. And so I would like, I, I tend to reserve judgment on this until I get it in person where I can actually get a feel for, okay, this is what, we, what, what, it, what it looks like. But yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's not, it's not a drastic change. You know, it's 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 a moderate it's a it's a moderate change. I'm so colorblind and I pay attention to things like jersey design so little. Yeah. That if the tweet would not have had check out our new jerseys in it, wouldn't I wouldn't have, have even known. Yeah, it's just it's just a couple of of racing stripes on the shoulder. Is that what you call them? I don't know what you call them. Uh all right, Coulter. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to call, 361-3688 is your phone number, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that number. you got to know that by now, 361-3688. Text us and uh, let us know your your thoughts. Interact with us. Tell us uh, tell us what you got going on. You can also listen live on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You uh, listen live on the stream all the time. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. What's funny? <laughs> well, you, you are such a well-read and brilliant person. Your spelling problems is just so funny to me. <laughs> On this outline that Ryan has printed out, he, he's got the gist, but it's just so far away from how you spell McElmurray. Well, I must say. <laughs> it's amazing. There's a couple things. Now, I know... I know <laughs> but, Quiz me right now. Quiz me right now. Here we go. McElmurray, okay? Tell me if I'm right. M, lowercase c, capital E, L, M, U, R, R, Y. You got it. So I know how to spell McElmurray. You just type it. I I get going, and and the the egregious misspellings that I have on our outlines and also on our in the systems... It's 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 horrendous, but I also know I do it because it, no one's gonna see it but us unless you Joe go ahead and bring it up to everybody, you know. Now that said, I am not a great speller in general. I like, know this which is, I don't get. Oh no no come on now Lewis and Clark were awful spellers. They're but great they didn't pioneers. Read books. Oh sure they did. Not like you reading a book and being able to spell are just they're just not they're not that related, man. Yes they are. No, they aren't. They are not. Well, you must read funny then. <laughs> I mean, you, I read you sound it out. No, 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 no. I'm not reading out loud. I know, primarily. but like, do you are you a photograph of the word, or are you a? I am sounding it out via phonics. I mean, 
No, I, I'm I don't I'm past the point of needing f- to phonetically sure. Sound but when out you words. read, yeah. is it just a matriculation of memorization? I don't even know what that means. Some people, like myself, we have everything is just a memory. Okay. So, so I, I I just identify the word based on memory. I've memorized what that word looks like, not sounds like. Okay, looks like. I don't know. Well, I think you do because it's obviously the opposite. Because if you memorize the words, then you wouldn't misspell them because you just know how to spell them because you would have them memorized. No, I, I nothing that you've said here has any bearing. It all registers with, at a zero with me. Huh. I just read, and sometimes I'm in the flow, and I don't even I don't even notice the words on the page. And sometimes it's a struggle, and I got to go back and read the same sentence four or five times. <laughs> the only thing that I know for sure is that I'm a slow reader because I insist on reading every single word. How did you get so good at talking? Hmm. Blessed. Hashtag blessed. Bro. Is it just natural? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I didn't. It didn't occur to me that I am good at talking. <laughs> You've no, never I mean, show like, on the radio for no, seven no, I, years. I know, but I mean, uh, <laughs> there's no prerequisite for being a good talker. Well, I'll tell you this: as an objective analysis uh, analyst here, you are a phenomenal talker. Thanks. And well, and, terrible spelling, and that's why I talk and don't write. <laughs> You're a great get, writer too. Let's get, let's get into Blaine McElmary, okay. shall we? <laughs> okay, Blaine, Blaine. McElmurray was a great football player, an All-American for the Grizzlies, out of Troy, Montana, of all places. And uh, you said it in the intro to this episode of our Grizz Greats podcast. By the way, again, this is part of the Grizz Greats uh, Silver Anniversary of the 1995 National Champions podcast, which is out everywhere. Wherever you get your podcast, you can get this. Go on to Apple. Go on to Google Podcasts, wherever you get it. Rate, review, subscribe. Get into this thing and uh, listen to these as they come out. We've had some great ones already, and it just uh, continues to, to to roll out with these awesome interviews, conversations, really, uh, that we've gotten to have with these folks. But Blaine McElmurray is the most recent one. This episode is going to be up. Uh, as soon as we're done with this show, we're going to post it immediately uh, when we finish up here uh, this afternoon, and it will be out there for you to listen to. So we'll play a little uh, snippet from you here. But uh, there's a lot of of schools and towns that have been pipelines either all the time or at various points in time uh, to football in the state of Montana, be it Montana or Montana State. Yep. Troy has not been one. No. Blaine McElmurray is one of two or maybe three kids. Well, Jace Fisher, the kid that's coming to Montana State, he's the third kid to come out of Troy. Okay. So, you know, he's the first kid ever to go to the Cats. And Troy, well, I mean. Because I think the other two are. (laughs) Yeah, the other two are to the Grizz. Right. But but it's it's remarkable, though, too, for a a town that has, has now just is producing its third division one big sky level football player yep. that that blaine would come from there and go to the league you know yeah. what i mean i mean talk about impressive and there's a there's a there is a um there's like a socioeconomic element to that though and i think that this is only it existed in a few montana towns mm-hmm. most montana towns that have been also mining towns remain mining towns coal strip remains a mining town butte by and large, remains a mining town. Mm-hmm. It's it's evolved drastically in both the process and what they're mining for, and the environmental nature of it, and all those things. But it still can be defined by the mine. It's still the mining city. Yeah, Troy, 
because it's funny to say that there's even like a bedroom community of something as small as Libby. Yeah. But there is. And yeah. Troy was a mining town. But there's a definitive reason why Troy sports were better when Blaine McElmurray was in high school than ever before and ever since. Part of it was because Blaine McElmurray was there. <laughs> that <way>. helps. But, <laughs> right. but the mine was going really... It, it was churning. It was cranking. Yeah, yeah. And so there was more people living there. And so there's more pe- people engaged in the community. And so th- that's a definitive reason as, as to why. Well, it's uh, it, it's an awesome story. And he, you know, a guy now, who now resides in Missoula, runs Malcolm Murray Holmes, has two uh, phenomenal track athletes. Well, I guess about to be three because his, his youngest yeah. daughter just got into high school. Uh, too, but, yeah. his, but his oldest daughter is at Nebraska. Yep. Hello, uh, running track there at Nebraska. And so, uh, you know, the lineage continues, but uh, an awesome conversation. We're happy to bring a little bit of it to you. My favorite part of so far about doing this is not, to, I mean, I love history. I love remembering history. I love listening to guys tell stories. It's one of yeah. my favorite things, just period. Yeah. But the circle of life that we're going through now is so interesting. You know, I, I talked about this with what we recorded with Jason Crebo the other day and how I just, when I was a little kid, I was eight years old when this national championship was won. And I just thought that these guys were just like gods. I, I mm-hmm. thought they were heroes. They were. They were. They are. Yeah. They were. But when you're a little kid, you don't even consider Your orientation guy, is different. It's not like that guy's a great athlete who's also a human. You don't even think this guy's a human. You think he's like some superhero. And uh, the thing that's so interesting about Blaine is when I first moved back to Missoula, that's when Ashley McElroy was just exploding onto the track scene. She was a junior and she was just ripping it up. And then we started following her pretty heavily because we're like, well, man, this girl is like amazing. She's she's like a big 10 caliber athlete, which now she is. She goes to Nebraska. She runs for the Cornhuskers. But the whole first year of covering Ashley, even though her last name is McElmurray, I never considered that right. that was Blaine McElmurray's daughter. <laughs> right. And so then I'm sitting down at the Mo Club buying Sentinel Head Track coach Craig Bettler hamburger after they won state track. And here walks in Christy. Ashley's mom, who looks just like her. I said, oh, you must be Ashley's mom. And then I look at this guy, I'm like, holy cow. I never put this together. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley McElmurray's Blaine McElmurray's daughter. What's up, Blaine? You know what How your you problem doing? was? You didn't have it spelled right in it, your well, head. It's, it's so you funny, know? though, because I, just, I could tell that Blaine just loved that the sports guy had known his daughter first. Yeah. Like, it just made him yeah. so proud that he, <laughs> we had known him, her first, and then I was like, oh, it's Blaine's yeah, daughter. That's right. That was the that was the trail of the breadcrumbs uh, back to back to Blaine. Well, we uh, we like to bring you, every time we have an episode, uh, a little piece of it, a little portion of it to give you a taste. So uh, we will do that. Now, Grizz Greats, the uh, silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, is brought to us by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Back in 1995, there's a good chance that when you called your friends, family, and colleagues on the other side of town, you were using phone service from Blackfoot Communications. And 25 years later, Blackfoot continues to keep our homes, businesses uh, connected with state-of-the-art voice and internet services. Blackfoot takes great pride in celebrating the indelible mark left by Montana's run to its first football national championship in 1995. Blackfoot is excited to sponsor Grizz Grace, the Silver anniversary of the 1995 national champions that's this 25 part podcast series reliving that epic campaign blackfoot a proud supporter of grizzly athletics here you go from the uh, grizz grace podcast blaine McElmurray.
one thing that's so fascinating to me about small Montana towns too is sometimes when you see a surge in great athletes, you can pin it on a specific thing that's going on in the community. Was there anything going on in the Troy Libby area at that time? Was the mine rolling along? Yeah, that's kind of what it was. The mine was really rolling at the time and lumber was still going pretty good. So Troy was one of the bigger class B schools. Right. And so we had a lot more athletes and, um, you know, leading up to our state championship, we had good teams. And even after I left, they had good teams for a while. There's just so many more kids and, and, you know, when a, when a program starts to grow, too, you get so many more kids that are starting to work harder, more kids are coming out, and we just kind of developed this program there, and it kind of fed off of itself for a while. When it came time to get recruited, I know you wanted to go to the University of Montana, you have, you know, your dad is the coach, so there's a certain level of communication that is generally had between coaches and at the high school and the collegiate level, but what was it? Who came to see it? Was it Don Reed? Was it Jerome Sowers? Was it somebody else? And what what was the 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 sort of the the pitch and the way that it happened for you coming out of high school that when you said okay I'm going to the Grizzlies? Yeah. So how it kind of started is I went came down to the football camps that they used to have. Well, right. they still have them, I guess. But I think being a class C class B school, a lot of people don't really know what type of athlete you are because the competition level isn't the same by any means as double A. And so I went down to the camps and at those camps, I performed really well. And so after that, then that's kind of how they saw, you know, hey, this kid might be someone that we're looking for. And so then they started showing up at some of the games. And, um, you know, I'm trying to remember who even was there. I don't even remember for sure who it was, but we started getting them quite often. You know, they'd be like, hey, we're going to show up at this game or whatever. And, and so it was really exciting. And then having gone to the state championship, I remember, I think Coach Dennehy, I don't remember who else were down on the sidelines. I remember seeing them down the sidelines with their Grizz stuff for the national, for the championship state foot championship football game. And so that was, that was pretty cool. And, um, you know, then when I got a ch- chance, I had chances to go there and MSU were basically my two main schools, but academically I thought I should go to MSU cause I wanted to be an electrical engineer, but I couldn't get myself to go to MSU. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a Grizz. So that's where I ended up. Do you have memories of the Grizz when you were a, a kid pre-high school? Because the, the, I think now it's so easy to forget that what the Grizz became, which you guys had a large hand in, in mm-hmm. building the foundation for, was not what the Grizz were in the early 1980s. I mean, the, it, the Bobcats ruled the day all the way in the 70s, all the way through the mid-80s, and then it shifted. And when Don Reed came, but I think that when you committed to the Grizz, no, I think just the 1989 team was the only team that had made the playoffs in the last... 20 some years. So do you remember what the Grizz were like when you were a kid? Yeah. So when, well, when I don't remember exactly what they were like, in fact, I don't even know if I had even been to a game, mm-hmm. you know, cause we, my dad coached every Saturday. Sure. So we didn't have many opportunities to get up to go to games. But, um, I just know that when we came in my class, the, you know, we weren't very good. And the big goal was to win the big sky. And that would, could have been just as big as the national championship at the time, because it just didn't happen. And then things just kind of started changing. We started winning the big sky. We started, you know, winning every week. And then the goals kind of changed. When it came to your arrival on campus and now you are a member of this football team, what do you remember? I mean, you've been to the camps, you've been to the school, but now you're a part of the team, you know, playing playing football, practicing, being in Washington Grizzly, obviously still a very new stadium and a, and a, and a crown jewel, which it still is, but that was – 
you know, what, five, six years that it even existed when, it, well, seven, I guess, when, when you got to campus. But uh, what was it like to just be a member of that team when you first arrived? Well, I'll tell you what, I can still remember this pretty clearly. I can remember walking in kind of one of our first kind of get togethers. We were at the food service. And at the time, no students are on campus. And you walk in, and I was one, you know, the freshman, we got there a little bit earlier, and we're all sitting at a seat and talking and kind of being really quiet because we're all kind of shy. And all the other guys that are the starters or fellas, they start walking in, and you're looking around and you're just like, whoa, you know, what did I get myself into here? And then, and you wonder, you were like, am I ever even going to be able to play? Am I ever right. going to be able to see the field? I mean, you see these guys, especially coming from Troy where my starting center was 155 pounds. <laughs> I mean... And they see Scott Gregg. Yeah, and I see these guys, and I'm like... Even the guys, I don't know who they are, they're huge. Right. And, and it was just a kind of a wake-up call, like, uh, are you sure you wanted me to come here? I, I don't know if I can do this, if if I can fit in. So, yeah, it was it was this kind of a scary and kind of an eye-opening, and I didn't know what could happen. And then, you know, like you said, then you walk into the stadium. You know, it's just like... People are, can sit all around this thing. You know, in Troy, we have the little bleachers on the side and most of the people stand along the sidelines. Right. You know, completely different thing. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of overwhelming at first. And, and honestly, I, I didn't know if I belonged there. What was, was there a moment when you said, okay, I mean, there, there had to be, obviously it progressed at some point, but was there, was there an instance that you recall where you go, I can play at this level. You know, I think what it was more than anything is I had a lot of the coaches that were really positive with me and told me, hey, you can do this, you can do that. And they came to me early in camp and said, hey, uh, we might not redshirt you. And to me, that was kind of shocking. I think at that moment, it's kind of like, well, they must think that I can do this. And then it was only like probably two or three days later, I tore my ACL Mm. in a scrimmage. And so then that was kind of to the wayside. But that was kind of the moment when they said, we don't want you to redshirt. I, it, that kind of said, oh, okay, they want you to play now. So that must mean that, you know, I can do this. The, the get coaching staff, the dynamic of the personalities is interesting because Don Reed is just such this overarching figure, but then you have Mr. Butte McDanahy, but then you have sort of the, uh, the, the storytelling grandfather in Jerome Sowers. I know he's a lot younger back then, but he, he's such an intellectual type coach, not the fire and brimstone that maybe Craig Paulson brings, mm-hmm. not the, you know, not the perfectionist that Brent Pease is. What do you remember about that coaching staff and Jerome Sowers specifically? He, he had such a reputation for developing great players in the secondary. He had done it with Tim Houck. I mean, what sort of things did you, did you remember about coach Sowers? You know, coach Sowers was, uh, he was great. And as a, he was obviously the defensive coordinator at the time and my position coach. So having him as your position coach, you got to know him a lot better. And uh, he was just, he was a great guy because he was really competitive. But then when things didn't go well, sometimes he, he didn't get all over your case. He's like, it's okay. We're going to live to fight another day, basically. And let's just recruit, regroup and uh, let's analyze what happened here and let's move on. And so I really appreciated that with him because, you know, sometimes for the most part, we had a lot of success, but sometimes things didn't go well. We played an Idaho game and I don't remember if it was this year or not, but we went down to Idaho. Yeah, we lost this game 43-55. And that was the last loss of the 95 season, right? Yeah. And we went down there and we played really poorly, especially on defense. And um, it, it it was horrible. And we were all came back expecting, you know, just maybe a total butt chewing. And he was just like, you know what? Sometimes you eat the bear 
Sometimes the bear eats you. <laughs> and today we got eight. So, I mean, he was, he, he was great. And, you know, uh, Coach Sowers made football fun. Coach Sowers had that tough side to him, but he also um, was there to, like your dad, you know, and he was on your side. So he, he was terrific. And I couldn't have asked for a better coach to be around. The the dynamic of the league back then leading up to the 95 season was distinctly different than it is now as well. I mean, Bobby Houck talks all the time now. Anybody that's playing Montana, it's the biggest game of the year because they're playing Montana. They're playing the Grizzlies. Grizz hadn't quite established that reputation as the juggernaut of the league quite yet with Nevada, Idaho, uh, Boise State still in the league. I mean, what do you remember about sort of trying to fight into that, the higher ranks of, of the big sky? At that oh, time? yeah. I mean, it's funny now. I mean, the teams that were the teams to beat were Idaho, and granted, Idaho's came back, but they were a lot better team back then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I, Idaho, between the Dennis Erickson and John L. Smith days, they rolling. made the playoffs like eight out of 13 years yes. and made it to the semifinals, I think, four times. They were rolling. Great, yeah, they great were rolling. Team. And, and then we had Boise State. I think the year, maybe this year or the year prior to this, they might have played the national championship. They did. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and they were a tough team. And then we when I was there, they didn't have Nevada Reno. But, and then we always had to go down to Northern Arizona, and we always struggled there. And so it was tough just to win our conference, let alone, I mean, for a while there, it was like nobody was going to take out the Grizz and the Big Sky. It, it just wasn't. It's evened out now. But for a while, those teams were tough. And so... I always kind of felt like, you know, when Boise and Idaho left, I mean, man, this should be an easy conference for the Grizz because two best teams are gone. When it came to uh, your, for, as a team, taking those steps, because it was building, you know, in the back half at that point of Don Reed's tenure at the University of Montana, though people didn't know it, of course. A lot of people talk about uh, uh, Dave Dickinson's coming out party as that South Dakota game. Uh, that that really kind of put the we're going to find a way to win no matter what mentality into the group. But there was still those couple of years of building. What do you remember about coming into the 95 season, having made a run in 1994? Obviously, Dave was injured at the end of that season, but but had really kind of established yourselves as a national contender, even heading into a national power. What were your expectations going into 95? Yeah, 95, we had really high expectations. And, you know, I don't remember at what point during the season it was, but I can remember Coach had gathered us all down at Washington Grizzly, and we were down on the field. And he's down there, and he's talking about some stuff, and the next thing you know, he looks up and he points at the press box. And he goes, guys, we're going to win a national championship, and we're going to have 1995 put right up there on the press box. And he talked about that a number of times. And, you know, I think that kind of turned into our ultimate goal because the year before we had, you know, like you had said, Dave got hurt in that semifinal game against Youngstown. And had that not happened, it would have been a different game. And um, we did, we realized that we were the team, if we played well, that nobody could beat us. And that season, I mean, it kind of went along that way. I mean, Dave kind of started playing here at that Washington State game and we lost that game. But we realized that we could play with the big boys. And at that year, Washington State was not just a slacker team. They were a good team that year. And that whole season, though, we had big goals in mind. And Don Reed had kind of put that in our head. You know, we had that in the back of our head, but he kind of put that at the forefront and said, you guys can do that. And we bought in. And sure enough, just kind of steamrolled most of the season. There you go. Blaine McElmurray from his episode, Grizz Greats. The 1995 National Champions, uh, the Silver Anniversary of that season. Uh, great, great uh, 
episode that we have for you. It's coming out again in less than two hours. As soon as we're done here, we're going to post that for you. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. But great to great to talk to him, and he's he's awesome, man. He's just an, an awesome guy to sit and talk to, and uh, and has uh, has become you know a real friend of, of the show of us and and uh, of of obviously this podcast series that we did here. Another thing that I find so interesting is the sort of the identity of this team. The the sweeping assumption is that Montana, University of Montana and Montana State both are just rough and tumble, smack you in the face, hit you in the mouth. And there's been portions of the history of both programs where that is absolutely true. Uh, absolutely, yes. I mean, the, uh, the Bobcats, 70s through the mid-80s when they won the national championship, absolutely like that. And, and even the 90s of the Cliff Isle days, those teams were tough. Their biggest problem, they just couldn't find a quarterback. Yeah. But they were winning in the cliche Montana way. Early 2000s, Joe Gunn and Bobby Hawk, they were winning in that cliche Montana way. This team, though, was winning way more with finesse, athleticism, and more than anything, though, intelligence. Mm. I think that's why this podcast series has been so fun to do because all these guys are so freaking smart. Mm. People forget, like, Dave Dickinson's made a life of football. He was on his way to med school. Blaine McElmurray, he builds houses now. He wanted to be a doctor once upon a time, too. I mean, these guys were high academic guys, too. They were w- winning based on intellect, and I think that that's a, an interesting thing because they're not necessarily the punch-in-the-face type Montana guys that you'd expect. They are in, on the football field, but all such unassuming smart guys off the field as well. No doubt. Well, this has been a fun series to do, and uh, we will continue to bring this out through the rest of this calendar year. Grizz Greats, Silver Anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, brought to us by Blackfoot Communications, and also... My first security bank and first security bank had quite a hand in helping Montana and Mon- Montana fans in those early days when you talk about a little bit of playoff action in the city of Missoula. No question. We just recorded with All-American tackle Eric Simonson earlier mm-hmm. this week, and he was talking about one of his memories. This is actually unsolicited, talking about when they first realized how much support the Missoula community had. He said he remembered when... First Security Bank President Bill Boucher got a group of business owners together and said, hey, 1993 playoffs, we have a chance to host a game. We will guarantee the game for the athletic department. And that's a windfall moment because, as we know, Montana's hosted dozens, if probably even close to 100 playoff games since then because the Grizz went to the playoffs 17 years in a row and won playoff games so often. There was sometimes four playoff games per fall in Missoula during the height of that run. But 1993, that was sort of the tipping point to then two years later, 1995, University of Montana turns that local optimism into national providence by winning the Division I AA National Championship. 25 years later, First Security Bank remains a proud sponsor of Grizz Grace, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, a 25-part podcast series remembering this epic season. First Security Bank, always a proud supporter of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. Missouri Valley has put out a schedule. Does that mean anything for the big sky? We'll discuss that right after this. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more.
doing? It's Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Good to be with you. At Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 1029 ESPN, it's Skyline Sports MT. Coulter, over here, doing shake weight without the shake weight. Right? That's your dance move. That's your dance move. It's just arms That's up in the air. That's the first South Park reference just, you've ever made. Oh, get out of here. Do you like South Park? Mm, it's all right. Not really. Why? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I was into it when I was, you know, like in college for, I don't know, about six months, and then I was kind of over it. <laughs> Grew out of it. Mm. Uh, in any case, uh, yeah, now I'm into Paw Patrol. Um, got kids. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Coulter, the uh, Missouri Valley Conference, and Sam Herter, Hero Sports, uh, tweeted this out, but they have released their spring football schedule okay it is out uh i have a i have a couple of thoughts about the schedule itself but the 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 just the outline of this is february 20th is when games begin in the missouri valley conference in fact february 19th yeah because it goes on friday Friday yeah so the weekend of the 20th and it runs through april 17th uh there are uh, count them up eight games and a bye week, which is exactly what uh, Kent Haslam specifically, you know, referenced. But I think that the Big Sky Conference in general is kind of their idea as well. An eight game, nine week regular season in the spring. And uh, this, you know, for them sets up as beginning on the 20th of February and running through April 17th. Uh, April 17th, notably in Montana, is the very, very, very edge of the end of winter. Sometimes. <laughs> Maybe, if you're very lucky. So just so we're clear what spring means. Um, the first question of yours is a good question. Then I have a question about this specifically, Coulter. But does this put pressure on the Big Sky Conference to put a schedule out, a schedule together to to do this? Well, I think that on the national sc- scale it does. Mm-hmm. But I think that the Missouri Valley Conference is distinctly unique in the scope of both Division One football as a whole and the FCS for two reasons. One, the most powerful and financially lucrative and relevant institutions in the Missouri Valley Football Conference reside in North Dakota and South Dakota. Those two states have less people combined than the entire state of Montana. They're two of the only states that are smaller in population than Montana. Right. Therefore, and they also have, politically are uh, even f- farther to the right, mm-hmm. and we've seen the influence that has on coronavirus protocols. Mm-hmm. More specifically, though, the reason that the Missouri Valley can, with relative ease, roll out a spring football schedule that starts in the middle of winter. They got some domes. North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota, and Northern Iowa all play in domes. Mm-hmm. The, the one that this hurts actually the most, though, is the next best team in the conference. South Dakota State. Absolutely. Right. But you look at this schedule. The opening weekend, the only outdoor game is in southern Illinois, which just is going to have distinctly better weather, while not great, distinctly better weather than Fargo, North Dakota, or Grand Forks, North Dakota. Absolutely. You look at the second weekend. Missouri State is the only school that's hosting a game, and that is absolutely the southernmost of any of the western FCS schools. That's right. Then you look at the third weekend, and now you finally get a couple games 
Illinois State. It's hosting the game Indiana State, Youngstown State. But like South Dakota State does not host a game until March 13th. So you're, so you're talking three or four weeks of play mm-hmm. for SDSU has to play in their outdoor stadium. The Big Sky can't replicate that near, to nearly that level because of the fact that they have 13 teams, first of all. But second of all, Idaho and Idaho State are the only two schools that play indoors. Yeah, but they can replicate it insofar as there are a lot more teams that are truly south in the Big Sky Conference. Well, I guess like, NAU you can, plays indoors, too. You can go to NAU. Right, but, but here's the issue, southern, though. Southern Utah to, to Davis, California. Sure, but here's the, here's the other issue is that the Missouri Valley can make a schedule right now because everybody in the Missouri Valley is in to play. Mm-hmm. I don't know at what point can you even have the vote well, for the Big Sky to see who's going to be in. Here's the thing: is the Big Sky they could put the schedule together regardless of whether sure. the teams are quote unquote in to play. You know, they can they can do it, but then the schools ultimately are going to have to make the decision. And I don't know if there. I mean, there may be schools. I don't know what South Dakota State thinks about playing February the twentieth, starting their football season and trying to prepare for for a season. Now, if I'm not they mistaken, have they have an though. indoor. Yeah, facility, yep. right? So that's the other thing is that you have the four teams with the domes, but then you also have SCSU has an indoor yeah. as well. Um, I want to ask you about this dynamic, though. There are uh, eleven teams, I think, in the Missouri Valley. That's correct. So if you're playing eight teams, you're the ninth team. You're missing two. Go. There's two games that two teams you're not playing. For North Dakota State, those two teams are Southern Illinois and Western Illinois. Um, Southern Illinois and Western Illinois are, you know. Could potentially good teams. Western Illinois has actually been pretty decent. Um, I have no idea what they look like this year. Here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. If this was to go off, okay, let's say it goes off nationwide, whatever happens, just just buy it. Just buy it for a minute for me. <laughs> okay. 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 We have ourselves a 16-team FCS National Championship, but only five at-large bids. Yep. Either Western Illinois or Southern Illinois, who both, by the way, would play and do play uh, uh, South Dakota State in this Let's say they run the table, mm-hmm. and they're an undefeated team mm-hmm. that didn't play North Dakota State in their own division. Right. What would you think about the the not even the eligibility? Of course, they're eligible, but the the conversation about whether or not to let a team in with an at large bid that, on one hand, has a perfect record, but on another hand, didn't play the team, or even better, that they're a one loss team amongst you know eight or ten one lost teams nationwide, but right. they didn't play the, the the number one team in their conference in the country. Tell me tell me this. Does Illinois State play North Dakota State, South Dakota State? Illinois State, uh they do not play South Dakota State okay. or Youngstown State. They do play North Dakota okay. State. Okay. Does Northern Iowa play NDSU and SDSU? Uh they don't play either of them. No, no, I was not playing. Either oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First of all, let me go back. Let me go back. I was looking at who who they don't have schedule. Yeah, Illinois State does not play South Dakota State. Is okay. that right? Yep. Okay. You wanted Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa plays both North Dakota State and South Dakota State. In fact, they're the last two games on their schedule. Interesting. That so, week. so that's going to be the other parallel. Is you mentioned those teams, Western Illinois, Southern Illinois, that don't play NDSU, mm-hmm. and say they run the table. Well, then also say Northern Iowa runs the table except for they lose to those two schools. Right. Now, though, because Northern Iowa is going to start the season in the preseason top five, probably, 
and Illinois State's going to start the season in the preseason top 10, mm-hmm. you could also have a scenario where a team that ran the table but didn't play the right teams gets left out in favor yeah. of a one or even two-loss team. That's where this whole thing gets incredibly muddy. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. There's a lot more to talk about about both the Missouri Valley specifically and then the implications for the Big Sky. But there you go. There is one FCS conference that has a spring schedule that is now out. You can go check it out uh, if you are so inclined. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, Gino Leonard, linebacker from Sentinel High School. He's a commit to the University of Montana. He joins us in the studio next. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks for rolling along with us on Twitter at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. And uh, you can also check us out on YouTube. Got the YouTube channel up and running, so go ahead and check that out as well. We are joined now in studio by Missoula Sentinel senior Gino Leonard. He's going to the University of Montana to play football, but right now playing for the top-ranked team in Class AA. Gino, thanks for coming by, man. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. First of all, tell us a little bit about Sentinel, because Sentinel's rolling right now. You guys 2-0, and Pretty darn dominant. I mean, I'm not very good at math. I know you're the guy that has two and a half hours worth of AP stats a couple times a week. That's a hundred percent win percentage. <laughs> what two and zero oh is right there. You guys have outscored teams eighty four to thirteen right now, and I know that it's been you know some of the frontline guys have been able to get out of the game a little bit too. Jace Glusswich hasn't had to have too many touches. Same with TJ Roush. But uh, you guys are rolling along right now. What's this been like so far for you? What's been some of the keys to your guys' success? Seems like you're a pretty close group. Oh yeah, definitely. It's an amazing experience. And uh, starting up when we all went in quarantine and lockdown, uh, we were having Zoom meetings with each other, you know, position groups and uh, offensive defensive meetings and uh, installing that family-based unitry and just getting everybody on the same page. So it's all been developed since we were little kids. I mean, playing football together, flag football, Football, MYF, and then getting into the high school level, you know, uh, we all had the same uh, goal, and that was winning a state championship. So our coaches are great with it. I mean, we see that the whole family aspect is what's most important to winning games. So I think we're doing that right now. Gino, you committed to uh, the University of Montana to the Grizzlies, and it's interesting. Coulter tracks this stuff really closely and has talked to all the coaches and everybody, and, and there seems to be pretty wide consensus that this particular class across the state is one of the better classes that we've seen in a while in terms of just the total number of D1 talent and the high-end level of D1 talent. also feels like Sentinel might have a disproportionate number of those dudes <laughs> on this football team right now. So what's it like playing in a, you know in, a, in another year you might be one of two guys who were maybe kind of the blue chip kind of guys for your high school team but right now I mean he already named a couple of guys obviously Clusa which you got you know Rollins and so forth uh, uh, on on the team 
to have a whole group of dudes that are you know headed for the next level, and yet you have this full senior year to play together. It's got to be pretty cool, and you got to have, I would think, a lot of confidence in that. Yeah, definitely. It's been awesome. I mean, every day at practice, you know, you're competing against some of the best in the state, and uh, we always say that with our offensive defensive line. I mean, D- Daniel Defort, he's a hog to move up front when you're blocking him at center or guard, so just makes you better. And then those uh, DBs, they're going against great guys like Donovan South and Jace Klusowicz battling every day. And then quarterback battle, you know, it's like iron sharpens iron, so everyone's getting better each day through practice. That part's been interesting to follow, too. Uh, Cameron Sermon transfers in from Wenatchee. He's an all-conference quarterback in the state of Washington. His older brother, Cy, played for the Grizzlies these last five years. But you guys had a returning all-conference quarterback at Dayton Bay who was, who was great last year. And uh, I know, they had, like you said, they battled it out, and it seemed like they'd getting, they're getting pretty equal reps. I know they bring something a little different to the table, each of them. Break it down for us. What does each quarterback bring? What do you thought of their ability to kind of balance this shared role? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's a great dynamic to have, you know. I mean, it's hard to scout for two quarterbacks. Any defense would say that. So uh, one guy does something well, the other guy, you know, does even better. So, I mean, you know, Bay, he's a great pocket passer, super smart with his decisions, and Camden is an all-around athlete. He can make plays happen, you know, playing offense and defense for us. So, I mean, they're both studs, and they're both helping us out tremendously. Gino Leonard, senior, Sentinel High School, playing football there, committed about a month ago, two months ago now, to the University of Montana. You're from Missoula. It makes sense. Was there any other option than the University of Montana for you? Uh, You know, not really. I mean, there's subtle thoughts, but, you know, that was ultimately the end goal, you know, playing football in your backyard with your friends. You know, you're always acting like, yeah, I'm playing for the Grizz right now. So it was always your dream to get there. And, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, I was watching that NDSU game from 2015. You know, you just reminisce in those games and Joey Counts diving into the end zone. It's like, yeah, I, I can't wait to be on that stage and be able to have that opportunity. Tell, tell us about your recruiting. I mean, who, who was, uh, when did it first start and how, was, how did the process play out? Um, you know, recruiting special. Uh, everybody has different, like, different uh, experiences with it. Um, mine all started probably February last year, and uh, I was getting all the NAI schools in Montana, some around the Washington area, reaching out to me. Uh, Weber State, they uh, hit me up. UC Davis, Cats quite a bit, so... Um, you know, it's it's awesome, um, but, you know, ultimately the coaches that show the most love and then uh, where you really want to end up ultimately, uh, that's where your indecision ends up going. So, I've watched you play live, I think, four times now, and to me, you seem just like a guy that Bobby Houck would want on defense. You play hard, run to the ball, relentless. Do you think that your style fits the style that Montana's trying to build right now? Um, I definitely think the U of M's got a certain swagger to them on defense, you know, just the mean mug and then uh, showing them that you'll be there for four quarters, punching in the mouth early. But, you know, I think we model that well, too, at the school at Sentinel with our whole defense. So, I mean, I think I'll fit in great uh, wherever I'm playing or however I'm contributing to the U of M. So, however I fit in well there, just uh, sign me up and I'm ready to go. You're playing mostly D-line right now, right? I'm playing linebacker. So you are, you're playing linebacker yeah. now, so it's not going to be a transition. So you, yeah. you already got it, okay? So you prefer inside, outside. What do you think of what, what Montana's linebackers do right now to me is fascinating. I mean, we analyze football on an X's and O's level pretty deep, and I've considered myself pretty darn good at it, and I had no idea what Montana was doing on defense for like the first <laughs> 10 games that Bobby Ock was back. I'm trying to sit here thinking like, it looks like a 3-3-5 stack, but sometimes it's not. The linebackers are playing multiple gaps, and 
it's impressive. I mean, it's a fun. It looks like it's a fun defense to play. So, do you see yourself as one of those inside guys, or what do you think of just the role that those guys have? Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, watching their games. I, I was also just watching that Southeast Louisiana game and watching those linebackers bounce around. You never know who's coming. You never know who's dropping back, and uh, that's tough for an offense to also scout. And we're doing some of that this year at Sentinel. With uh, we're bringing our two inside guys up and uh, showing different looks, and you can tell it's being successful for us already. So, yeah, definitely. I'm excited to hop in that and uh, just uh, you know, I, I think. Uh, rushing and getting in those big guys' face is pretty fun. So especially when you're getting past them and getting into the backfield. So either way, I'm excited to go, and uh, I think it's a great dynamic they got going over at the U. You know, you have this hope and this goal, and you've achieved some of that already, uh, and then there's a lot of it that's still out there in front of you, right? And if you if you were to redshirt next year and, and then keep going, I mean, you're like a long ways out still and a lot of work between you and actually seeing the field and playing football at the University of Montana. That said, there's a long and very obvious and very uh, 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 renowned history of Montana linebackers at the University of Montana. And when you look at that history and that lineage, is that something that is motivating to you? But also, is it something that you feel pressure from? Like, how do you sort of think about your role and now this commitment to this school? Yeah, ultimately, uh, making my decision to play for the U. I mean, you look at it, that's LBU. I mean, the gr- greatest linebackers that come out of the state came from there. You know, Brock Coyle, Jordan Tripp, all those other guys, Dante Olson. So successful. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see a bunch of pressure because I think they have great coaches at the U. I think Coach Bear, he knows what he's talking about. He's been many places, and uh, I think he gets his guys going any way he can. So I'm excited for the opportunity and uh, excited to get the coaching. So That part, I mean, how old are you, 17, 18? 17. So when you're sitting there talking to a guy like Kent Bear, I mean, this guy's been coaching college football probably as long as your dad has been alive. I mean, this guy has been coaching <laughs> college football since like the mid-70s. Yeah. When you have that breadth of knowledge, I mean, what's that like sitting in the room with him and just knowing, I mean, this guy's been at Stanford, Cal, Notre Dame, Washington. I mean, he's been everywhere. Uh, yeah, it's definitely jaw-dropping. I mean, it's phenomenal, you know, the amount of experience he has and the amount of knowledge he has with the game of football. So I'm, I'm just excited to get a chunk of his mind and just listen to what he has to say, you know, uh, helping me out with uh, situational football and just helping you out, like, just getting that technique down. And so it's all about being a technician. Uh, Gina Leonard joining us again, the uh, linebacker, Sentinel High School, Sentinel 2-0, and and uh, one of the top teams, not the top team at the AA level in the state of Montana right now as uh, we're early in this football season. What's the most fun thing about playing football? You know, I think uh, fo- football's a game that'll humble you pretty good, but when you're successful, I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, having fun with your friends out there, jumping around, partying on the hat, I, bet, I think that's the best part. Seeing your guys be successful and seeing yourself be successful. Offensively, you play center right now. Yeah, yeah. See, this is why I like this kid because he's mm. he's playing the best he's position on the traffic. football That's field. Right. Yeah, but it does take it's a distinctly different position than other spots on the offensive line. I was a center, and I think it, it it's like being a catcher in baseball. You see the game at a completely different level. How much does playing center offensively help you? defensively. I mean, does it help you kind of learn the game and, and break down what defense is seeing, give you an advantage as a linebacker? Yeah, it's pretty funny, though. Uh, my sophomore year, I was starting at fullback for us at Sentinel, and then last year, I was starting at guard. This year, made the transition to center, so I, I've kind of seen it all. You kind of know what the guards are trying to do, trying to get out and block you on zone concepts. 
uh, center, you always know what he's doing with his call outs, you know, pass and run. And then fullback, you're seeing them making their movements across the line of scrimmage, knowing that ball is going to probably be following him. So, you know, yeah, definitely. You pick up a lot of tendencies on both sides of the ball. You see linebackers starting to creep up. You know he's coming. And then same way, linebacker, you see the guys pointing out. You see his hands back. You know he's going to be pulling. So, yeah, I think definitely my football IQ has gone up a ton being able to play both ways and having that opportunity. So now Rollins, I know he's, he's probably projected as a tackle. He's playing, is he playing inside or outside right now? He's playing guard for us. So you, which side does he line up on? He's on my left. Yeah, okay, so yeah. that must be the side you want to probably run to a lot. Oh, huh? definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we get our big yards up that middle right behind uh, me and Dylan. So, yeah, him and I on that double team is a pretty special thing, I'd say. Uh, what is the best reaction you've ever seen from an opposing defensive lineman as you get there and you're ready to snap the ball? First play of the game, and he looks up and he sees this uh, monster across from him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, last week against Capitol, it was pretty funny. Uh, Dylan put a guy right on his back, and, you know, kid gets up saying, wow, you're really freaking good. So <laughs> it's, 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 it's awesome to watch. I mean, our whole line special. We have great coaching with Coach Joseph and uh, the technique we use is amazing and uh the concepts we have going so i think all of us can do it uh, but you know dylan of course he's got that certain spotlight that shows and uh i feel like opposing defenses should know it so sentinel uh has uh, you go back a couple of years first of all you had a lot of really great talent recently come through uh, uh sentinel high school football and this program has been building under coach oliver now for for, for quite a while go back a couple of years ago had a really good team lost like four or five games by a point and even on like the last play of the game last year make a nice run but ultimately you know don't get don't don't make it all the way home this is a team that has more expectations on it than the Sentinel teams had in a very long time. Do you guys talk about that? Do you think about that? Where are you at in terms of, I know we're early two games in, right, to the season, but when you talk about the scope of what you want to accomplish here in your senior year. Oh, yeah, definitely. At the start of it, we knew we were going to be the front runners, and we knew there was going to be a target on our back, and, you know, we accept that. Uh, and uh, you look at those teams in the past, you know, the 5-5 five and five team from 2019, uh, you know, it just was a lack of people buying into the process. And, you know, there's really no family aspect to that. But I think Coach O's done a great job, you know, getting us all to buy into it. And uh, every Monday, you know, we have motivational Mondays and we get in, get vulnerable with our teammates and really talk about, you know, how we're going to get to that next step. And so I think we're excited for it. You know, Sentinel hasn't won a state championship since 1972. And, uh, you know, nothing to bring better than community than that now. Well, that uh, charge towards the SA championship continues on Friday. Butte. I know the Bulldogs are off to no 0-2 start, but they were the team to beat in Double A last year, all the way until all of a sudden well, they, your they, future teammate Asher Croy ran for about ten thousand yards in the Ranchy Stadium. They might be playing some of the best defense around too. They because, are. I mean, I think they have fourteen points and seventeen yeah. points, something like that. Yeah. They've held teams too, so they they uh, they haven't scored the ball a ton, but they're playing that down and dirty Butte ball. Uh, that's right. Before we actually get to the Butte thing, I want to ask you about that element. The scores around Double A are higher than they've ever been. Oh, yeah. Is that a product of the offseason and not being able to practice as much? Or, I mean, what what has led to this? I mean, you're seeing teams score 40 and 50 points every single week. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. I think uh, some teams, you know, they're just a little bit behind the eight ball so far. You know, some defenses just aren't ready for that game-like tempo. And uh, some defenses, you know, just start, still trying to get into the hang of things. And uh, offensively, you know, it could be an opportunity for some of those teams that took, you know, seven on seven, getting the throwing game going and just slinging the ball around. So just getting explosive points that way. But yeah, uh, I definitely think that is a product of uh, having a longer offseason, you know, getting everything rolling. Butte, 
It's in Butte, right? Yep. Yep. R- Narancy Narancy Stadium. Stadium. Not gonna be the same as it usually is because of the corona, but it's still gonna be wild. I'm sure even the limited Butte fans that come out are gonna be ready to roll. What's it like playing that stadium? What do you expect on Friday? Oh, uh, you know, Narancy Stadium. I think everybody in the state loves playing there. Uh, you know, two years ago we go down to Narancy, we're up fourteen, we end up losing the last second in overtime. So that's how those past two games have gone against them, losing on last place. So we have quite a sour taste in our mouth. So, you know, put records aside. Butte's a real scrappy team. They're real physical, and uh, they can make anything happen. So this is a game they need to win, and it's a game we'd love to win. So I think we just got to come in it with the right mindset, keep playing the ball we have been, and execute offensively and keep everything rolling on defense. Gino, phenomenal. Appreciate you coming down here, man. Thanks for spending the time. Wish you the best of the rest of the season. We'll obviously be tracking you and, uh, and the rest of the Sentinel High football team all year, and, uh, and then obviously on to the next level at the university after that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for being here. The better, the worse. Modern sports in the modern era next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 